everybody. So we are very excited today for a very special episode of Obscure Animation. We are actually together recording. Usually we are recording via, via video conference. And uh, so this is kind of a different style than we've done before. You know, hi, Rachel. <laughs> hi. It's nice to be here in person. Yes. So this is Stanford and Rachel together at last and uh, doing a podcast together. We started an awesome together. I know. It's great. Yeah. This is really fun. And yeah, let us know if you like this because it's a different kind of recording and it's just different kind of experience because we haven't done the kind of research maybe that we have done for some others. This is more of, I would say, a post-show recap. Right, because we just watched this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We just watched it and, uh, and then we're giving kind of our thoughts and a little bit of research that we have done. But we're talking today about the Puppetoon movie. And this is a package film, I guess you'd say. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, from 1987. And uh, it was put together to profile the legacy of animator uh, George Powell. And uh, were you familiar with George Powell before seeing this? I was not. Yeah. The, I, I, after seeing this, Clearly, I, I've seen his work. I just didn't realize that it yeah. was him because not only did he do cartoons, but he also did some commercials, right? For you know the American market for for television in particular. Yes, and probably yes. his most famous is the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yes, is his most famous creation. I realized when I when we agreed to do this, I because it came out in 1987, I didn't realize that this that he was so that his shorts were so old yes yeah he uh you know because he was working in europe in the in the 1920s and 1930s and he moved to hollywood in 1939 mm. and i so i think it appeared all the ones the all the shorts that they put into the puppet Toon movie i think that they were done during his hollywood period it just looks it had the impression of you know sometime between 1939 and 19 like the late 1940s sort of deal does that seem right yeah yeah that is like the 30s and 40s definitely has sort of a war time feel uh to to the a lot of the shorts there's sort of that uh that feeling of similar to the package some of the package films in the disney shorts we talked about silly symphonies you could definitely feel oh yeah absolutely sort of an influence mm -hmm. and a style of, uh, of them in these shorts and uh, yeah it was really interesting I he has a very uh, you can see the European feel on his shorts yeah definitely too. a European aesthetic in, in, in many if not most of them mm -hmm. and the type of puppets that he used was so interesting as we were commenting on we were trying to figure out I think some of the materials that were being used a lot of them almost look like wooden puppets and I don't, again, don't know what he was using for arms, but he also used a different kind of unusual technique, this replacement animation in that he, rather than like most of it's done today where they use, a, a, the, most of them use like the same puppet and move the puppet for each, you know, incrementally for each shot where he'd actually replace yeah. the puppet for, for these different shots. And, uh, we weren't sure which ones necessarily were which for doing that. Some of them, we, I think we kind of figured it out. Mm -hmm. 
like that tuba one, we were wondering, you know, it was it seemed pretty clear. Some of the other faces and whatnot. But. Yeah, and it kind of reminded me of uh, animation today when uh, they just replaced, like Anna Lisa I was thinking of, where they replaced the the face um, basis of the characters instead of having a whole new character. Uh, that and you can actually see in Animalese, you can see the lines around the face of the characters. It kind yes. of reminded me of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's you can definitely see his influence through, I think, in little ways throughout many. Uh, we were talking about that, you know, somebody like Guillermo Toro, uh, that, I, that we can guess that he was probably a fan of... Uh, of this, I mean, I, I bet you that uh, Tim Burton was probably. I bet you yeah. that um, Henry Selleck was oh, probably absolutely. By yeah. him. It's just, it's an interesting thing because uh, back then, you know, the shorts were sometimes the way that the studios financed their other projects. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were, they were more, uh, they were, they were, they made more money. Than, uh, than feature films, which is, seems crazy. Yeah, now. it does seem crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, so, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, and so it was a whole different sort of, I don't know, there's just a whole different aesthetic. We also talked about how uh, you could see some of some of the same aesthetic in, uh, in some of the early Pixar shorts. Yeah, in fact, I was reading this interesting uh, post on the Turner Classic Movies website, because that's what we watched, was mm -hmm. a recording of this, they played it on TCM, Mm -hmm. And so we watched this recording that I had made of it. Uh, they're stating that the early techniques are in many ways the basis of modern computer-generated uh, uh, effects. Yeah. And which, which, which we were commenting on, that would really make uh, yeah. really made sense. Uh, yeah, because the early Pixar shorts were just sort of circles and triangles, yes. which is basically these most of these characters mm -hmm. are circles and triangles. And, you know, look at something like... Uh, like um, Red's Dream was mm -hmm. the one I thought of the most. Yes. It was very Absolutely. So. Another interesting thing this article was saying too, Rachel, was that uh, uh, the influence on Walt Disney was particularly profound. Mm -hmm. They were, I think we were reading in one of these articles that uh, they were comparing George Powell to his influence in European, early, like the 1930s European uh film market to like he was Walt Disney, like the European Walt Disney mm -hmm. during that time period. But Walt Disney supposedly uh, would show puppeteer, these puppetoons mm -hmm. at the studio. Interesting. And, uh, and then they were influential. Um, Roy E. Disney confirmed that as well as influence on Disneyland with oh. the audio animatronics, oh. because they're saying that it's a small world oh, is yeah. really a puppetoon. And that's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if Mary Blair was, I, I, I did too, because there's definitely def that yeah. same kind of feel. I think Mary Blair's color styling is different than what mm -hmm. George Powell was using, but still kind of the, the in the very mm -hmm. simple, but unique style of, mm -hmm. the, of the puppets. I, yeah, I thought that was yeah. interesting. It's very true. Yeah. So this, uh, this package film, was released in 1987, and you'd said that there was another one, I guess? Yeah, well, they had made one in 1985. So George Powell died in 1980, and one of his friends did a, a compilation film uh, in 1985 that sounded like 
it was more of a tribute for all of his work because he went and did live some live action directing mm -hmm. and other things. But uh, that one was called the Fantasy Film Worlds of George Powell. Oh. And then this one that we watched from 1987 was entirely devoted to the Puppetoons. Yeah. And, and hence the Puppetoon movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Which, like I said, is sort of similar to, uh, even the intros are similar to the Looney Tunes and the, um, and the Sillies of the Knees and there's things from that era, you know, with the, uh, with the intro and they, uh, they did do all the, uh, the intros and credits for each short, uh, that, that they had, uh, well, at least for most of them. There were a couple of where, were a couple where of we were a little unsure. Yeah. The they were a little unsure if, yeah, they didn't put up a title <laughs> card or anything and they just kind of started. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, most of these were done in the thirties yeah, and forties and, uh, there was uh, nine shorts in this film, including, but then there was also an introduction with... <laughs> <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. The, the introduction is Gumby, which I guess was his... Uh, One of his... Good designs. Yeah. His and, and Pokey. Yes. The horse. And, uh, yeah, and then there's a Tyrannosaurus Rex named Arnie. Yeah, now do you know anything about Arnie the T-Rex? I don't know if, if he's was a character in something else or what, because he first starts being like rather ferocious. In fact, it almost it looks like he's going to eat this little kind of Bambi style yeah, of a deer. deer. And then he pulls his teeth out and then starts chatting away, <laughs> yeah. you know? And he's almost like he's Rex from Toy Story, right. you know, a little neurotic, yeah. a little insecure. <laughs> yeah, that's not confident and acting ferocious. Yeah. And that uh, it says here on Wikipedia that uh, that it says, see here, that Gumby cuts the scene and questions Arnie on his hesitation to act ferocious. Although Arnie knows it's all just acting. He feels unfit for the part because it's just him. He explains that he was once ferocious, but thanks to the influence of George Powell, he has reformed and is now a vegetarian without a bad bone in his body. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go inside into some editing room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think he wants to like show Gumby or something like that. Yeah. The work of it's how almost like, influence. It's like it's a moviola and they're going to look at the dailies, you know? <laughs> yeah. It kind of makes me think of the Bugs Bunny movie that we watched, you know, that it was like, yes, they tried to do that history thing, but it was just kind of, yeah, on. it's just kind of random. It almost, I think in a way, falls so, flat. Yeah, because these people are so precious to them. They're such good friends. Right. That I think they expect us to be like, oh. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I think I was just being snarky and just like, okay, can we like get rid of this, <laughs> done with this intro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. I it, it was funny, and I was just kind of like, "Is he gonna eat Gumby? What's going right. on?" Right, like, what's happening here? <laughs> but um, but yes. So uh, so then we get into the shorts, and uh, we have yeah the the I think the memorable ones uh was um the hula bula. Like just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just plain unforgettable yeah. scarred <laughs> <laughs> it's just basically a like Hawaiian scene yeah you know? like there that was very popular in the uh, 40s because you had so many troops I mean not only did you have Pearl Harbor that was it obviously brought people together and it was is very uh you know all of a sudden 
Hawaii became a very important part of America, but also uh, you had all those troops there. So you had things like South Pacific Mm -hmm. and, um, and things like that. And it's pretty similar to like your, uh, um, talking have talk or, uh, you know, so it's just some of those group scenes yes. in South Pacific. It was kind of similar to that. And, uh, you know, you get a little uh, stop motion. Yes. <laughs> stop motion. And, you know, and there's minimal talking in yeah. these. And uh, there's a, there was some, but it's mostly just it's like a silly symphony, you know, as yeah. you were saying. There's just this music and all these different things and a lot of visual gags mm-hmm. that some work and some don't, don't necessarily work. But it's still it's fascinating to see these different character designs and how he moves them through the frame. And yeah, and also, and uh, uh, you were patient with my commentary, but I just kept noticing too, <laughs> how cinematic he filmed all of these, but, and even, even some of these earlier ones like this, this uh, Hula one, you know, I thought he used, I, I thought they were very artistically shot and, and uh, really, really interesting to look at. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. They definitely have their unique style. Mm-hmm. The way that the faces a lot of times are either very circular or very, uh, very um, flat and oval. I guess. Yeah, they say. almost look like a capsule. Yeah, you know, that's the way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Medicine. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, that's that's interesting. And uh, and yeah, he got he won his uh, he was nominated for academy awards uh but he didn't actually win uh he was nominated for tulip shell grow john henry and the and ikipu and to tubby and the tuba but he didn't actually win uh but he received a special academy award for his whole body of work in 1944 okay so that's kind of interesting yeah that is interesting and you know i think well deserved because it was it's is so interesting and clearly so influential on yeah. on uh, on a lot of people. The same TCM article. Sorry to backtrack a little no. bit, but it's talking about his influence on uh, Ray Harryhausen, uh, oh, whose first yeah. job as an eighteen year old was at as at the Puppetoon Studio. Yeah, and uh, and then you know Tim Burton and Henry Selleck, as you mentioned, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was influenced by. I noticed Steve Spielberg's name was like a special thanks to the credits yeah. of uh, of this of this one, and uh, so yeah, just this, mm-hmm. just how how. It, well, yeah, and they even have a scene with a sailor in one of them that really did look like Popeye. It did. Yeah, it it, really yeah, did. it was like and a three dimensional so, Popeye. In fact, yeah. we were lamenting. Is that what studio does does Popeye? Do you remember? Is that Hanna Barbera or is it? Well, it was the I think it was the Fleischer Studio, which. Um, I mean, I guess it's originally a comic. Yeah. And, uh, um, but anyway, and it, it doesn't matter. I uh, but. But that's what it looked like. Those one of those old like a three dimensional version of, of an old Popeye mm-hmm. ca- uh, cartoon. Pop- I didn't realize Popeye was so old. Yeah, Popeye's really old. Yeah, going all the way back to 1929. Yeah. Was it Max Fleischer? Know. Is that who? Yeah, Max okay. Fleischer. Paramount. It was Paramount, okay. Paramount owns. And then, well, and then I don't know how that worked with, you know, with Sony trying to do it, or with Jandy. Yeah. Uh, Tartakovsky, who was going to do that Popeye feature. And it's old enough that yeah. you know, there's... Uh, we were kind of lamenting that, yeah, <laughs> that movie. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, and then we get South Sea Sweethearts, which just kind of merged into the yeah. Same. That kind of I seemed like more of the ended. same. Yeah, I didn't know where the one ended and where the other began. Yeah, and uh, and then they kind of you get over to a more fairy tale segment with Sleeping Beauty, which also was super weird. It really was yeah, really weird. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was odd, and they <laughs> the the you know just a type of depiction even in fairy tales you would of women you would never see, you know her being kind of not only a, like a victim but her being kind of like I don't know like sort of hypnotizing the man yeah and kind of reforming him or whatever, uh, which I'm glad that we don't see that as much now. So <laughs> But yeah, his eyes get kind of woo. Yeah, that was that. Was that punchy? What yeah. do they call that one? Punchy and Judy or something? Something like that. So yeah. kind of a play off of Punch and Judy. Yeah. And that one, yeah, was that one also was really weird. Yeah, not yeah. my favorite. No, I didn't really, I didn't really care for that one either. And also, we're saying that's definitely a product of its time. They would, yeah. they would not get made today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then the tulip shall grow, which. I think was one of my favorites, yeah. if not the favorite. Yeah. John Henry's awfully good one. Yeah. We'll get to that. But this one was really stunning and really serious. Like these other yeah. ones were all pretty light, you know, as far as, you know, silly symphony in tone. And this one really goes deep into a world war, kind of like a world war two treatise. Yeah. 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 It's true. And uh, yeah, you definitely had that in that time of animation. You think of think of Bambi, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, dealing with some of those, even Fantasia. You know, you got the devil and you know grief and yeah. Ave Maria. And yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, because uh, this so. tulips shall grow was 1942. Yeah, and you know, Pal had left Europe for Hollywood in 1939, yeah. so he had seen. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of the stuff yeah. firsthand experienced it yeah and we forget that these shorts were not really a part of children's entertainment necessarily. right they Good would point. come on they would come on after a newsreel or just before any movie and even people would go to one to two movies and then you'd have these shorts in between and they were very money-making for the studios and uh, you know sometimes people would just see a whole bunch of shorts and so it, there wasn't that did sort of that stereotype then of uh, you know, animation is necessary for children. Mm -hmm. I think because it was so new. Yeah. And uh, you didn't have the kind of amusement parks built around it and other kind of stuff that sort of well, right. makes you feel a little younger. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you have something like Sleeping, it's like Sleeping Beauty. It's obviously more for children. Um, but, um, but, you know, some of these other ones are not necessarily so. And the thing about Tulips Shall Grow is that it, it was – very beautiful just in all of the tulips, the mm -hmm. little wooden, you know, yeah, tulips. they had hundreds, if not thousands of little yeah. wooden tulips that they had put on this set mm -hmm. and this, these beautiful windmills and, mm -hmm. and it's very bucolic and really lovely Yeah, until the, uh, the Nazis show up and what were this? The, yeah, the Nazis were like, um, just kind of, they're almost like aliens kind of yeah, alien they, robots. Yeah. They of. looked like they were made out of, uh, truly made out of nuts and bolts. Yeah. They were, didn't even have a, they didn't have faces. Yeah. And then when it rained, it was like, it was raining rust. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're rusting, we're rusting. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah. And the rust would kind of like turned into blood and then they all, 
yeah, just kind of disintegrate or something. But it's really, it's really dramatic and uh, striking, mm-hmm. you know. And again, I think yeah. for 1942, it would be something that would be probably would resonate with, yeah. with because they hadn't even won yet. Oh yeah, I mean they were you know, in the absolute throes of it. Yeah, you know. So like that would be because now we look back on it and it's like. I don't know. It's just a different perspective. Yeah. We know you won. We beat the bank. <laughs> well, but it has a hopeful, it has a very hopeful end yeah. to it. And, and then also just given the title, you know? Yeah. And in fact, the, the title card they put at the end, if I'm not mistaken, it said tulips always shall grow. And I think that, you know, this is mm-hmm. George Powell saying, we're not going to, be overcome by this because yeah. I know even in that time period they got so in Holland they got so uh, desperate that people were digging up the tulips and eating them yeah because they were so I remember reading that about Audrey Hepburn that she was reason one of the reasons why she was so skinny was because she had basically starved as a child and they had gotten to the point where they were digging up uh, wow. digging up uh, tulips mm-hmm. and eating them and uh, so, yeah, that was totally a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was probably a little bit of nostalgia even yeah. for for those tulips mm-hmm. when he was doing them. Because they probably was, they'd already been trampled on and stuff like that yeah. uh, by the soldiers. And so, yeah, that one was a, uh, that one was a good one. And the music was, was pretty good in, in all these. Yeah, some- I think so too. And, and yeah. some of them, you know, on the title cards, they would mention different performers. Uh-huh. Uh, some of these bands, they were almost like a big band, and I didn't necessarily recognize them. The only one I recognized was Peggy Lee, yes, as who was a performer in Jasper in a Jam, if I'm not mistaken. She does some vocals in, yeah. in that one. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, music of yeah. Char- the Jasper in the Jam is the music of Charlie Barnett mm. and the vocals of Peggy Lee. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like a little boy and his kind of little adventures. Yeah, <laughs> and like these instruments kind of come to life or something, you know. It's almost like it's this dream or this, you know, kind of this very imaginative yeah, yeah kind of piece. And it's moody, it's at night. He so, also, I guess, was famous, George Powell, for doing a series of Dr. Seuss books adaptations which would be really interesting to see because i felt like i could see some of that influence mm-hmm. too um he did the 500 hats of bartholomew cubbins uh, and to think that i saw it on mulberry street and and then jasper in a jam i guess was oh, was that uh, a dr so seuss his adaptations of the dr seuss books oh interesting uh so yeah it's a popular series about the adventures of a black boy okay so that's kind of interesting yeah yeah and uh, so then, uh, then we had um, the together in the weather, which was I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that yeah. one was sh- short and yeah, yeah. Um, but then the uh, one of the big ones is John Henry and the uh, Inky Poo, and this is basically the John Henry story, and uh, it's. It's pretty pretty well done. I mean, I the, the so speed too. of the animation was very impressive. Yes. How they were able to get him to be drilling in the stop motion that fast is pretty was pretty impressive. And I think you had mentioned too that this was also one that was 
I mean, it was not offensive. Yeah. You know, it was not, it was, it was, it was so respectful of, of the story and of yeah. the time period and of all is, the people. Yeah. Cause this is 1946 and, uh, yeah, you have uh, the Ebony magazine uh, saying uh, that says uh, John Henry, an adaptation of the folktale of the steel-driven man, uh, is the rarest of Hollywood products that has no stereotypes, but rather treats the Negro with dignity, imagination, poetry, and love. And that's a quote from yeah in there. And uh, so you know, and I think that's probably that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. You definitely feel sad uh for john henry and uh you want to say stop 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 <laughs> don't do this yeah, don't, don't do, do this. it uh because aside of me was thinking why you don't need to do it like save yourself all the back-breaking work mm-hmm. and have this machine be able to do it but then you know all these people wouldn't have jobs i guess well and they really emphasized too at the end that he he became this you know symbol of hope mm-hmm. that that they could feed the machine that they, and then they should carry on with their lives, even mm-hmm. though this was really hard. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I really liked how, how it ended, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, with, and the, again, this, the, the shot, the sets were beautiful. The, the different sky, you know, backdrops, whatever he was using to, 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 uh, show the sky. I thought it was beautiful and the lighting is so good in it. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's really, it's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Really moving. It, yeah. It was really good and had some good music. Yes. Uh, you could think what year was Dumbo? What year did Dumbo come out? It's right around uh, there, right? 1941. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And you look at the difference between the, the, like the roustabout song in, uh, in Dumbo at the very beginning with them on the, you know, the train. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know. I just think something like this is so much better. Yeah. They're not just like faceless yeah. uh, workers. Mm-hmm. Like all these, even the, the other characters like John Henry. Yeah. They all had faces. Yeah. They yeah. all had faces. They all had, you know, you could feel sort of their story. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Dumbo 1941. This and, was 1946. Yeah. So it's sort of the same time period. Yeah. I think this was, this was better than that sequence, at least from Dumbo. And then uh, the, what most people seem to think was his best short is the tubby, the tuba. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that was necessarily the best, but it's, it's fun. It's cute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what Los Angeles times. Sounds. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and again, you know, we were talking about how it's based on a, and a, a story. I mean, it's not yeah. a story that I am familiar with. I mean, we should look up the book or, or books or whatever. You know, yeah. the Star Stubby, the two. I yeah, don't ever remember had that feel of like Ferdinand or yes, you know, some of these kind of uh, the um, uh, the some of these silly symphony kind of stories. Yeah. the Ugly Duckling, that kind of story. It's an orchestra. The, the instruments are just entities in and of themselves. They're yeah. not played by a human or, yeah. or any or anything. Yeah. And they're like it's not animals, but it's like anthropomorphic. Yeah, and and uh, Tubby has this melody, but the tuba never gets the melody, and and then also everybody else is kind of mean to him. He's like yeah. he gets bullied by the violins and the yeah, yeah the French by this, horn, of the and the French horn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the entire the entire <laughs> string section. 
Yeah. And I like that the French horn had a mustache. That yes, was it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Because none of the strings had faces. Right. But they had personalities and, you know, and, and voices. Yeah. But yeah. the horn, yeah, the French horn. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's kind of, you also think of like something like Peter and the Wolf. Uh, you know, where it's just telling the story through music, which is basically what this is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Tubby, he, uh, nobody likes him. He's kind of the Rudolph of the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> symphony. And uh, he, he didn't get to play any tuba games, you know, yeah, or any, right. <laughs> any orchestra games. And uh, yeah, and so he, uh, he is very sad. And the conductor, uh, you know, start, talks to him. What's wrong? What's wrong? And anyway, he ends up getting his. He's like the conductor says, "Can tubas sing a solo? What <laughs> or play a solo?" And he ends up getting his chance to play the solo, and so it's kind of fun. That was definitely more for kids. That one, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it is cute, and I, I love the. The Hollywood Bowl style of, of uh, yeah. you know venue that was created, and again, I the orchestra was it was all it was off. it was it was cute, it was harmless, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably John Henry's my favorite. Yeah, or the Tulip one. Yeah, those are the ones that, that I thought were really the most interesting, and then some of those f first ones, the tropical ones and things, again, were interest were. Interesting to see the designs, really, but they, they were, went on a little. They too went long. online. They yeah. they really weren't compelling at yeah. all. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the thing. The guy in the Los Angeles Times said, uh, he says, eighty minutes of fast-paced activity proves rather wearing, and the movie becomes as cloying as a surf surfeit of bonbons. Brutal. Yeah. He also says the heavy-handed prologue and epilogue suggest that pa the pal was the spiritual father of every recent stop-motion character from Gumby to the Pillsbury Doughboy and Joe Dante's Gremlins. He actually devised a special technique for his films that has rarely been used by anyone else. Willis O'Brien, who created the stop-motion animation for King Kong, has had a much wider influence on American animators. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know why we can't just celebrate both. <laughs> like, well, well right. <laughs> and, and, I, and I agree, because I think that this work that George Powell did was, was really interesting mm -hmm. uh and i can see i'd be influential even though if it's not necessarily being used yeah but still he created it and what a herculean effort i thought to do so yeah. even those weird ones like even like with those can can dancers you know that had yeah. the weird dresses and the weird legs still though that's so much motion yeah i know <laughs> and the, know? The, the, the speed of the motion was really yeah impressive it's 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 really quite i think remarkable in a, yeah. in, in a lot of ways i do have to agree with this critic as you know we've talked about it a little bit the intro was heavy-handed yeah and just too long right it's just 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 way too way too long it's almost like it's kind of bored, bored yeah. before it even before it even starts <laughs> i again you know not like I can't critique this this person who put it together necessarily, but I and I but I commented to you during the during the watching of it. I had almost wished that it had almost been done in almost more of a documentary type style, where we could at least see in the film the year these were made, mm -hmm. 
maybe provide a little context if, if there was some available. I think yeah. that could have been really helpful and really interesting right. to, to add to it. However, it's still interesting also to just see the work. Right. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, you, it's just, if you're a fan of animation, it's fun to see all these different, you know, forebears and, and, uh, and what they brought to the, uh, you know, the medium. And, uh, so I'm glad I saw it. <laughs> it's, uh, I, if, I guess if, you know, if you're a critic and you have to review, is this worth putting down money for, then I can see why he's kind of like, I don't know, uh, wait till it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> or wait till they showed it again on TCM, you know, another right. animation night on, uh, cause again, that's where I recorded it. It was on some kind of an animation night they were doing on, on Turner classic movies. And that's probably the way to see it. I am not that you can see it in the theater now anyway, but, but yeah, I think if you can get, if you can, uh, um, if you can watch it on uh, TCM or some other way, I think it's worth checking out and seeing some fun shorts. I mean, I really enjoy shorts and, uh, and seeing how they influenced all kinds of animation. Uh, I mean, I think just because they maybe didn't have like a specific uh, an influence as uh, as Willis O'Brien's maybe did, doesn't mean they didn't have some influence as far as the, the creators and uh, and people. So yeah, and that would have been interesting too to see, because even in that Bugs Bunny movie, they had like quotes from some of the different yes. people about um, yeah. about what they did. They had that whole section. Because when what it didn't work in the Bugs Bunny movie is when it got into the weird um, award thing, but this yes, but the more historical part was actually it was good. really good. Yeah, and so if they'd done something like, kind of like that, I think that would have been interesting to have had maybe an interview with Joe Dante about uh, his work on Gremlins, or I don't yeah. know, that could have been cool. Yeah, but anyway, it's but interesting. Also, you know, I think check out George Pal's IMDb uh, page because. He did a lot of interesting work. He directed some films. Mm -hmm. Like he directed, I know we talked about this, that he directed the, uh, the, a, a version of H.G. Wells' The Time Machine mm. that started Rod Taylor. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty cool sci-fi. Yeah. And, and it has some interesting effects and whatnot, but again, he, he did a lot of interesting things. So I think it's just worth, it's just even from a kind of a film history perspective. This is to, to see what George Powell did. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'd be curious to know kind of, well, I guess he, uh, he was from, uh, he got ex exile status from, uh, he came over from Hungary, I guess is where he came yeah. from. So, you know, that's pretty interesting. And he must've spent some time in Holland. Absolutely. That's what I'm thinking too with, with, with how he did that yeah. uh, short. Or was definitely mm -hmm. familiar with their plight. Yeah, he did a bunch of sci-fi and fantasy. When Worlds Collide, The War of the Worlds, Tom Thumb, The Time Machine, The Wonderful World of the Brothers Grimm. Oh yeah, have, have you? I've seen that one too on DCM. That's an, I think that's I've a, seen pictures of it. Yeah, I think, I've seen it. I think I've seen Tom Thumb too. Uh -huh. It's interesting. Yes. Yeah, like you said, he has that uh, Oscar and. Uh, and there's even a George Powell lecture on fantasy and film series in his memory at the Academy. So there you go. <laughs> um, and he also did some work, I guess, on the um, stage musical for the Rocky Horror Show and the Rocky Horror Picture Show movie. So yeah, a lot of variety there. <laughs> yes. 
But interesting career. Yeah. So this was fun. I really enjoyed uh, checking this out. And uh, so if any of you guys uh, listening have seen any of this work of George Powell, if you've seen Puppetoon, the movie, um, let us know what you thought and uh, give it a shot. Give it a watch and then uh, let us know what you think. And, uh, and if you have any suggestions for obscure animation, then just let us know and we would love to hear your ideas. And uh, next month, I think we are going to be doing uh, the uh, Wind Rises from Hayao Miyazaki. We're going to be talking Studio Ghibli. It's Yay. it's so obscure that I forgot to include it in my Studio Ghibli ranking that I did in November. Uh, but it's really not that obscure. I just am not very good at my job sometimes. But um, but no, I am really excited to talk about it. It's a really nice love story for. Uh, it's a, uh, such a yeah. unique yeah. film. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, and. Another really interesting look at War. World War II. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It'll be really good. And so let us, uh, yeah, let us know what you think about that. And uh, please subscribe to uh, the channel and uh, please give your ratings and reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out. And uh, Sanford, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Sanford Clark. And I also have a movie blog and podcast, which you can find at moviespastandpresent.com. Great. And I'll have that. You can find that all in the description section. Check that out. You can find me all over social media at Rachel's Reviews and on I and uh, and on Ron Tomatoes, which is yay. <laughs> Go Rach. We're just cheering you on. Check that out. And uh, thanks so much, guys. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Thanks. Bye.